Welcome to Hudson Valley Uncensored. My name is Brett Freeman. I'm the publisher and owner of a media company in the Hudson Valley, New York. I launched this podcast to highlight and discuss topics without fear. My aim is to have a free exchange of ideas and an open and honest discussion on the issues of the day. Welcome to Hudson Valley Uncensored. Welcome to Hudson Valley Uncensored. My name is Brett Freeman. Today we have uh, our editorial roundup with Brian Marshauser. He's the editor of Yorktown News and the Katona Lewis Pro Times. Tom Walagorski, the editor of North Salem News and the Somers Record. And we have returning with us, after a couple of weeks being away, Bob Dumas. He's the editor of Mayapak News. Bob, welcome back. I, I heard you had quite uh, mm-hmm. an ordeal for the last couple of weeks, if you want to share with the audience. Um, first, I'm really happy to be back on so many different levels, um, just to be back in my home. Yeah, I took a little vacation. I was out sick. I had spent 16 days in the hospital, one in Putnam and 15 in uh, Northern Westchester Medical, or not Northern, but Westchester Medical Center in Valhalla. And just in a nutshell, you know, I'm diabetic and I was diagnosed with a diabetic foot ulcer that had gotten infected. And you thought you had COVID at first. Well, yeah, well, I didn't put the two and two together. I started suffering from fever and chills and aches and pains and loss of appetite. So right away, that's what you think of, you know, when you start coming down with stuff like that, even though I've been vaccinated. But as it turns out, it was the infection that was causing all that stuff. But also me thinking I had COVID was preventing me because the doctor doesn't want you to come in person. So I made some phone calls. The doctor said, don't come in. I don't need to do a video conference with you. Go to the ER right away. I felt a little silly calling 911 for a blister, but it's a good thing I did. And I got to Putnam and right away, they made the diagnosis and I was rushed into surgery. My big toe was amputated right there in Putnam. And then I was transferred to Valhalla where the real work began and where I had three different surgeries and a litany of, of other procedures and angioplasty on my legs to inflate veins, a hyperbaric chamber, blood transfusion, MRI, all kinds of things. But at the end of the day, I ended up having all five toes on my left foot amputated. They were able to stem the infection. I'm good there. I was released last Saturday afternoon. A shout out to our columnist, Bernie Cosberg, who was kind enough to come down and retrieve me from the hospital. That ride home was the best car ride I ever had. I hung my head out the window like a dog. (laughs) But now I'm under orders. I can't put any pressure on the left foot. Uh, to avoid having the sutures pop open. So I'm in a wheelchair, but I'm back at my desk and I'm easing my way back into Mayapak News a little bit at a time. By the end of the week, I'll hopefully be fully engulfed in it. You know, we're, And so that's been my saga. Keep an eye out on my column this week where I discuss all this in a little bit more gory detail literally you know <laughs> and, and also i have to i have to praise bernie cosberg a little bit more because not only did he have to pick you up and did that you know that was very kind of him to do that 
but he had to endure me editing his column because <laughs> I, because I, I started debating him uh, in the points he was making. He basically wrote back and said, "What do you want from me, Brett? You hired me to be a liberal columnist." Yeah. So so uh, I was like, "All right, touche. Uh-huh. You're right." Uh-huh. Uh, and, and well, Bernie loves to debate, so I'm sure he <laughs> did, he didn't mind it. He he loves to lock horns. He's not afraid. But yeah, yeah, you know, outside is. Whether you agree with his political views or not, you know, he's a very kind hearted guy and just uh, has since all my health issues started earlier this year. He's been there for me and um, uh, along with a bunch of other people, too numerous to mention here that have rallied around me, which has just been amazing. And it's great to know that people appreciate the paper out there. The Girl Scouts, the local Girl Scouts, all made handmade get well cards for me and had them delivered to the house. And that just floored me, you know, with little pictures of Mayapak News on it and stuff like that. So people love the paper and I'm so proud to be part of it all. And I appreciate and a big thank out. Thank you to all the people who and their well who wish me well. It's definitely helping me get better. Well, Bob, I'm thrilled you're back uh, in more more ways than one. And I guess um, actually, before I jump to you to find out you know what's going on in Mayapac, mm-hmm. I, I will say uh, one story that really kind of touched my heart during your absence. Uh, the front page of Mayapac News that's coming out on uh, hitting mailboxes tomorrow, September twenty third. You know this podcast doesn't doesn't get released to the week of uh, September twenty seventh. Uh, readers will hopefully have read the story of Olivia Cipolloni, and I hope I'm pronouncing her last name correctly, but she is a Fulmar Road third grader at Maria Ferreri Children's Hospital. She had been diagnosed with a rare blood disorder called uh, aplastic anemia. You know, she she had a a bone marrow transplant, or I guess there's a partial match uh, that she had uh, with with her mom. Uh, So uh, apparently... 99% 99% of her cells are her mother's, which is a good thing um, because they say that um, that means she's kind of, she's cured of this disorder. You know, they have to make sure she doesn't reject, reject the transplant. They have to, you know, really keep a close watch. But, um, you know, right now everyone is really optimistic about everything and, you know, and, and uh, just a, a lovely, lovely family that our uh, contributing writer, Donna Christopher interviewed. Um, and, you know, the person who reached out to me to let, let me know about it, it's just a lovely person. And so uh, that was just something that touched my heart. We got a ton of back to school photos. I was really, I I was floored. You know, we put something on Facebook. We must have received over a hundred photos. So we're going to be running that for a couple, a few weeks. So that that was incredible. And then one other thing I just want to let our Mayapak readers know, you know, not everyone might be familiar with this, but this is uh, about a decade ago. I mean, we started Mayapak News in 2010. So this was at the very beginning. Uh, I, I don't know the exact dates, but we had a columnist ask Shana. Shana is a, was about my age. Uh, she was in her early 40s, I believe. She and I actually reconnected as adults. She and I went to the same a summer camp growing up. We went to a Stage Door Manor, which is an acting camp in the Catskills. And uh, we have other, other, uh, some other things in common. So she started writing uh, Ask Shana, this advice column. And, uh, you know, she, she moved away. She stopped the advice column. You know, she and I kept in touch occasionally, like for a couple of things, you know, over social media. And tragically, um, she died from uh, some complications of she had outpatient surgery, actually, um, I guess from from her uh, 
I guess her obituary had said that she had she had a hysterectomy and had complications from that. Early 40s, she has, uh, I believe, three children. Now, there's a GoFundMe. I'm actually going to be posting that on Tap Into Mayapac, but I was really saddened to hear about that. Uh, you know, I, you know, um, yeah, I, I'm obviously saddened for her husband and her family, and you know, I, I consider her a, I guess a good acquaintance or, or you know sort of a, a friend through uh, through a social media but i was very sad to hear about that so and kind of a founding member of mayapac news in a way yeah yeah absolutely and in fact in in the obituary it talked about how um she was an advice columnist in a local paper so you know it made me realize as well you know that that was something significant in her life the fact that was listed in the obituary anyway i just want to share that actually before bob before we get back to you i'm gonna i'm just gonna jump a little bit to uh to um, Tom and then to Brian. Um, uh, absolutely. I'll be here. All right. So, so Tom, I know you have some stuff to share, but uh, I just want to point out that you're going to be, uh, you'll be away a little bit from, the, from editing the Somers Record in North Salem News for a, a little over a week. Uh, you have something exciting coming up. What, what is that? Yeah. After 37 years, I am finally getting married. So I'm well, a little, uh, I'm a little late to the, uh, late to the wedding party. It took me a, a little while to find the right one, but yep, I'm getting married on Saturday, September 25th. Um, equal parts uh, terrified and excited, as I, I think a lot of people are right before their wedding. We also, this has been two years in the making. We were all among the many people that had to uh, postpone because of COVID. Um, I also have a friend that is on his fourth wedding date, so I guess I really can't complain too much. But yeah, so I will, uh, yep, I'll be gone. We have a wedding on Saturday, and then we're doing our honeymoon in Disney. And it's also my first time going down there. So I'm going to be a 37-year-old child. I'm very, very excited, though. Are you kidding? You're going to Disney World. Yeah, we uh, we kicked around a bunch of options, and uh, I've never been. My fiance thinks I have some kind of deprived childhood. <laughs> and uh, apparently, it's a it's a great experience, especially if you're there for a special occasion. So that's fantastic. I I, I wish you uh, all the luck and the fun in the world, and and uh, as we Jews say, Mazel Tov. If you need any tips on Disney, believe it or not, my wife and I are actually big Disney fans. We've been to Disney World and Disneyland several times, so. Okay, I might, might need to lean on you for some... Re- yeah, anytime <laughs> I've mentioned it, everybody comes at me with restaurant. And don't forget, I'm doing this all for the first time. So I want oh, to be, yeah. I'm going to be on... You know, this time next month, next week, I'll be on Space Mountain and loving it. I love it because I'm a planner. So it, you, get to, you get to plan everything down to the minutes. <laughs> oh, that, <laughs> that's my fiance. She has a, she has a schedule and, and everything. It's all, it's all laid out for me. Yeah, well, there you go. You don't need my advice. <laughs> well, I, I want to hear all about it, actually, because I might be... I have no plans to ever go down, go for like a whole week or whatever. But my parents stay in Florida in the winter, and they're they're pushing me to come down with the kids. and And my kids have never been to Disney yet, so my daughter's twelve, so she's getting you know close to teenagehood. So uh, I want to hear all about it for sure, and maybe give me some tips as well. I'll bring you back a pair of mouse ears. <laughs> okay. So Tom, uh, before you go though, I know you're you're kind of busy planning the papers. Uh, ahead of you uh, going away. Um, so want to know what's the big stuff going on right now? Well, I mean, as uh, as everybody knows, we are, I mean, first and foremost, we are actually, you know, we're we're only a, a few weeks away from, uh, from election season here. So actually in both uh, the Somers Record and North Salem News, the same week that this uh, podcast airs, we'll be having um, candidate profiles and interviews with everybody running for office in both of my towns. Uh, anybody from Somers knows that we have, uh, you know, contested elections. The uh, town supervisor position is up for grabs as well as two seats on the town board. So we'll have um, interviews with all of those candidates. And um, in North Salem, the races are actually unopposed, but we're still having everybody check in just so everybody knows who's who and everything. So we'll have that coverage. 
Uh, also, too, uh, you know, because even though I'm getting married, the news never stops. We actually received uh, alerts and we're digging into two stories, one from each town, actually, that were brought to our attention by the state police. In Somers, they're trying to identify a uh, subject of an investigation who uh, may have been involved with a credit card stolen from a vehicle. And in North Salem, they're actually seeking um, a couple for a, uh, a home burglary. So we'll have updates on both of those stories. And in Somers, the state police specified it's a subject and not a suspect. Correct. Our guy in the state police was very specific about that, that he not be listed as a suspect, but they're still trying to identify the person who, who might have been involved with this. So they're asking for the public's help. That is actually already up on our tap on uh, the Somers record tap into site as well. If anybody wants to uh, take a look at that. And also, I know the celebrate Somers uh, will have passed by the time this podcast comes out. And but we'll, you know, we'll I know we'll have coverage of that. Correct? Oh yeah, there'll be coverage. And if anybody, yeah. by the time this comes out, if anybody hasn't checked out our special insert in this week's paper, you absolutely should. It is chock full of Somers goodness. Great. <laughs> so, uh, Tom, I thank you for that. Uh, and, and Brian, uh, I'm I'm gonna head over to you. I know uh, you were actually you came back from a vacation, and uh, you have a a. a Look, I'm not a sports fan, so I so don't be upset if I call an odd collection. Uh, so if you want, want to share your collection with our uh, listeners, uh, you know that would be uh, very interesting to share. Yeah. So uh, about four or five years ago now, my wife and I made the decision to see all 30 Major League Baseball stadiums around the U.S. So obviously, we started uh, where our home is in New York. Since then, we traveled to Philadelphia, Baltimore, over to the West Coast. We've seen all um, four baseball stadiums there. We've been to Seattle. And our most recent one, uh, number 12, was uh, Phoenix. We went to see the Arizona Diamondbacks play a couple weeks ago. And so that was ballpark number 12. Part of the reason we did this wasn't just because we're big baseball fans. and That was one of the things that bonded us. It was. But it was also just gives us a chance to see parts of the country we never would have visited before in the sense that. On our honeymoon a few years ago, we went out west and on our layover flight to on our way to Hawaii, we, st- we said, oh, well, you know, let's stop in Seattle. In the past, we probably would have just stopped in California or, but, you know, gave us a chance to see a different part of the country we never would have seen before. And the same thing with Phoenix, uh, you know, didn't really have much reason to ever go out there. You know, it's a city, it's not much to see. But, you know, it was nice seeing a different part of the country, very hot as well, as you can expect. Uh, <laughs> when we landed, I think it was about 108 degrees. Wow. Um, it's a dry heat though, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's like when you open the oven and, and, you know, it hits you in the face, it's still dry heat is still hot. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so we went to the ballpark there on the first night, went to the grand Canyon. The next day we made the long drive from one day. Uh, it was about four hour drive in both directions. So, but it was, it was worth it to see it. And then we were off. Uh, we went to California for four nights after that. And to Tom's point, we, we saw Disneyland. We love it. And we had to stop and, it's our happy place. It brings us joy, and I don't care. As, uh, I don't. I don't care. I have no shame as an adult saying that. So, uh, judge me all you want. I don't care. <laughs> That's fantastic. But you also collect baseballs, correct? Correct. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I know your, your question. I, I totally didn't pick it up. Uh, yeah. So we collect baseballs from every stadium that we go to. So I have right in front of me in my office a, uh, a display case with now twelve baseballs in them. So uh, we try to pick uh, ones that'll look nice in a display case. Uh, we were talking about this before off air, but there's one exception. 
we went to Boston, visited Fenway Park, uh, but I just could not bring myself to have a Red Sox logo staring me in the face every day in my <laughs> office. It just wouldn't have felt right. So instead, we bought a plain white baseball and just scribbled Fenway Park on it and dropped it in the case. And that's that's that. You know, we're, you know, I have no ill will toward the Mets, so I have a Mets logo in there. It's not a big deal. Uh, but I just can't do it with the Red Sox. I certainly understand. So (laughs) going into um, your town and Katona, I know that there's some uh, meetings going on. You know, uh, they're talking about maybe some kind of hybrid situation if you want to go into that. Yeah. So what happened is Yorktown resumed in-person meetings over the summer. They held six meetings um, without controversy for the most part. And, And, you know, there really isn't a ton of controversy here, but it became notable over the last few weeks, especially after the town instituted a new mask policy on August 9th, that uh, you know, all public-facing employees should wear a uh, mask in town hall, and uh, you know, three of the five town board members complied, but two of them didn't: Tom Diana and Ed Lochterman. Um, Ed Lochterman, you know, he spoke to our reporter Nick Trujillo last week, and actually, I should say earlier this week, and you know, he he said that you know there was just some confusion over his interpretation of the policy, and you know, he has he's not like trying to make any sort of stand uh, and being rebellious or anything like that. As soon as Another council member expressed concern about this. Uh, he happily put it back on and says, you know, I want to be respectful to my fellow council person. And that's that. So Tom Diana is not wearing his mask, however. So the town board resumed meeting in person on September. So I should say this prompted them to move to a virtual meeting on September 14th last week. But then they returned to an in-person meeting last night, September 21st, when we're recording this. It was last night. And uh, the four masked council members were in person at town hall and councilman Tom Diana was at home on the Zoom. So, you know, everybody in town hall was masked. I guess Tom Diana does not want to wear his mask and that's, you know, his choice. And so that they're accommodating and allowing him to log in via Zoom. And I spoke with Nas later about this over the weekend, too. And he said, you know, going forward, it's not out of the possibility for them to kind of do this sort of hybrid model where they allow residents to continue participating via Zoom, you know, and and I'm sympathetic to that as well. I know it's difficult for parents to get babysitters and come out. It's a lot easier to participate in a meeting when you can just log on to the computer. And I think I kind of saw that during the pandemic and the latest planning board meeting, planning board meetings actually meeting in person, by the way, um, there was a very controversial application for a Taco Bell in Yorktown. And I noticed, you know, during the pandemic, and I mean, we're still in the pandemic, but during the height of the pandemic, this drew a lot of speakers and and the public hearing opened on it in person and there's crickets, no, no public speakers. And I think uh, that's partly attributable to the fact that um, people are just not participating as much in person as they were in Zoom. So I think um, in trying not to disenfranchise those people, I think the town is going to consider a hybrid model going forward. But for now, it's being kept left up to each individual board, how they want to proceed, whether in person or via Zoom. So right now, the planning board is not thinking outside the bun. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I know. Well, that application, by the way, is still just being, uh, in case anybody wants an update, it's still, uh, it's just being scrutinized at this point. Uh, They're going really over the traffic. And um, I expect it'll be approved um, eventually. But right now, the public hearing just closed. And now the, pub- now the planning board is going to look into that. And we may have a new Taco Bell in Mohegan Lake soon. You know, it's very interesting talking about traffic outside of a fast food restaurant. I live uh, about uh, 15 minutes from Brookfield, Connecticut. And uh, there is a Chick-fil-A there. And I swear 
I mean, I actually want to go to a town board meeting in Brookfield because I've witnessed, you know, in the many times I've been to Chick-fil-A now, I've witnessed a, a motorcycle driver get thrown from his motorcycle, you know, an ambulance have to come and get him. It is just, it's impossible to make a left-hand turn into that, into that restaurant. That restaurant is crowded. And apparently I heard from somewhere that the average Chick-fil-A is like the traffic average Chick-fil-A is far higher than an average McDonald's. And I assume it's partly it's because there's less Chick-fil-A's. Yeah, it's more because the novelty of it. And that's actually what Yorktown experienced early on with Popeye's because there's not really a Popeye's anywhere within a 30 minute radius of here. It's kind of unique. Carmel's getting one. Yeah, well, it it was unique to Northern Westchester. I suppose now it's not. It's coming to Lower Putnam, it sounds like. There is a lot to consider with these fast food restaurants. And I know a lot of people throw their hands up and complain about red tape. But when they rush these things through and don't consider all these things, then everybody gets mad as well. Because, you know, the Popeyes had lines extending out onto 202 because it was just so popular in the early days. And I know they're talking about the effects of the drive-through here and how much it should accommodate before it starts spilling out into the parking lot. These are all things that they need to consider. I know that Taco Bell in Mohegan Lake is actually implementing something called line busters to uh, move it along. So if you have a really backed up drive-through line, they will actually have employees come out and meet you and then take your order before you get up to the window. So that's kind of cool. But yeah, when the Taco Bell Mm -hmm. opened in Carmel, we had that issue too. The traffic was backing up out into the street but the novelty wore off things settled down exactly. and now it's just normal you know that's so. exactly what happened with popeyes i drive by on any given time it's always pretty popular but not, never quite as popular as it was the first few days i, I can't yeah. say that about chick-fil-a it's, 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 <laughs> there's always always traffic outside there interesting all right and i know you wanted to mention one other thing with uh i guess you t- spoke with a family who was on family feud Right. So it's actually kind of interesting because, you know, I spoke to the mother of the family. I really have to look up the pronunciation of the name. I think it's funny. (laughs) I tweeted this yesterday. It was actually funny because they were on Family Feud and they held up the sign of for like, you know, Steve Harvey to read of how to pronounce their last name. It's pronounced Bunny Toddybus and it's spelled B-O-N-I-T-A-T-I-B-U-S. So it's a very difficult one. Bunny Toddybus. So I spoke to the matriarch of the Bunny Tidybus family, Lori. She told me that she saw something on Facebook when she was scrolling about three years ago now. You know, we're going to be in your area. Come try out. And so they went to Stanford, Connecticut in this hotel. And they got there and thousands of families were just trying out. So it was them against thousands of families trying to get on Family Feud. And I guess they were personable enough. The producers loved them. And they said, great, you're on. So they put them and then you can guess what happened next. This is 2018. COVID happened. They kind of shut down production for a while. And the producers kept in touch with them over the years saying, we still are going to do a show with you. We promise. We really liked you. Just hang in there. And eventually they called them again in January 2021. They gave them a list of dates to choose from where they film now in Atlanta. Uh, they used to film in California. Now they're in Atlanta. So they filmed their show in May. And I'm not going to spoil how they did. Uh, you can watch that on October 11th on Channel 9, I think that is. I, I, I'm not exactly sure what Channel 9 is anymore, but it's, uh, it's going to be there. Like 7 p.m. Channel 9 on October 11th. So go check out how the Bunny Toddybus family of Yorktown did. That's and great. check, look for it in Yorktown News soon. 
So thank you so much for sharing that. And uh, I guess, um, Tom, I know, I don't know if you have anything else to share. And if yeah, not- just one other thing I wanted to update. Uh, this is something I, I brought up last week, and it's just kind of an update on, uh, uh, you know, two uh, you know, sad stories, but also things about just the community and Somers. I just, you know, as we're gearing up for Celebrate Somers here and, and everything, um, there was two families that recently had some very tragic things happen in Somers. It was the uh, Kamara family and the Herbert family. The uh, Kamara family lost their mother, who was a uh, to a, a rare form of cancer, and she was an instructor at the Somers Intermediate School. And uh, the Herbert family lost their father in 2016 in a car accident, and they just lost their mother recently to a heart attack. And there's uh, seven siblings now. So, you know, a couple families dealing with some loss, but both of the friends and family of those families affected, they had GoFundMe pages set up and just the, you know, we've been monitoring it and we tried to, you know, do articles to help out with the, the fundraising effort and everything. And just the outpouring of support from the Somers community for these two families has really been, uh, it's really been inspiring. You know, you look at how a community responds when, you know, when there's tragedy like this and everything. And uh, for the Herbert family, they've already exceeded the goal set and the donations keep coming in. The Kamara family, they have three daughters and it's a college fund. And they're, you know, every time I check it, it just keeps going up and up. And we've uh, included links to those on um, in both of the stories on the Somers Tap Into site. And it's just uh, it's just very inspiring to see the people of Somers and just the, the outpouring of support for these families and everything. I was just, you know, like I said, as we go towards Celebrate Somers, I mean, that's something to celebrate just how great this community is. So I just wanted to make a mention of that. That's definitely, you know, very heartwarming. And, you know, it's nice to see the community come together for them. And and I guess the um, the oldest sibling, he took custody, right? Of He's now took custody of, of the yeah yeah he was he's applying for, he's applying for guardianship guardianship yeah yeah and i know the rest of the extended family everybody has been really you know coming together trying to help out any way that they can so yeah what a horrible tragic situation so yeah with this was uh yeah the, there was two two tough stories for somers this week but that's yeah, yeah. you know doing everything we can to help yeah um well and that's that's the beauty of uh community journalism and being able to help a town like that so uh, why we do, families we do. Like that. absolutely then uh, B- uh, bob going back to you um real quick um i know uh there's a couple couple of things on the horizon that you're uh working on yeah there's a couple of um important events coming up in mayapac and there's one other issue i just want to discuss real briefly so this weekend sunday will be the back of the blue what they call prayer walk that celebrates and supports local police, everything from the Carmel Police Department to the uh, County Sheriff's Department and all police agencies, really. And it started two years ago in the wake of the uh, George Floyd murder out in Minneapolis. And when, you know, there were protest marches all around the country and Mayapak was no exception where there was a group called Mayapak for Racial Justice that held a a, a march down Route 6 to the Chamber Park where they had a rally. In the wake of that, several local residents led by community activists named uh, Marianne Chaluzian decided that the police had been taking it on the chin enough and that they needed to get a little support. So she put together this idea of a walk supporting the police. Well, the, this was 2019 and the thing drew over a thousand people and they had a march and some speeches and whatnot and it was exceedingly popular. She wanted to make an annual event. Of course, they couldn't do it last year because of COVID. Well, it's back this year, and it's going to be this Sunday, and it's going to be in the same place and go down East Lake Boulevard 
past the VFW headquarters and end up there and they're going to do the same thing. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of turnout they get for that. So if people want to come out to that and partake, they're welcome to. There'll be a sign-up tent. You'll see it all going on there, right there off of Route 6 at, uh, at East Lake Boulevard, where the, right there where the CVS Pharmacy is. And then the following Sunday, the return of the Mayapak Street Festival, which is a big event sponsored by the Chamber of Commerce. This is um, October 3rd. October 3rd, yep. Sunday, 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. And they'll block off, um, you know, Route 9 and there. Um, and uh, it goes all along that street there, um, past Chamber Park and along the lake. And they'll have dozens and dozens of businesses set up. There'll be rides. There'll be a rock climbing wall. There'll be all kinds of great food. It's always fun, a great time. It, of course, they didn't have it last year but due to the pandemic, but it's back again. And everybody's invited to come out. You know, Mayapak News will be there, camera in hand. So the chamber wants to extend the invitation to come on out and have a day of fun outside and enjoy, get to know some of the local businesses and the various services that are available in the sound that people otherwise might not know about. Lots of good stuff for the kids. There'll be face painting and pumpkin carving and all kinds of rides provided by Fun Time Amusement. There'll be a DJ spinning tunes. So it should be a great day. It always has been in the past, and I think they want to make this year as a comeback bigger and better than ever. So That's great. Um, so those are two events coming up in Maypac. And then one other thing, which I found interesting, that came out of the town board meeting. And I think communities across the nation are going through the same thing. But our highway department superintendent, Mike Simone, brought it up. And that is because of the pandemic, when everything kind of shut down last year, one of the things we don't think about is like companies that make stuff also shut down. So there's been a shortage. We've heard about car shortages because of computer chips not being available. So Mr. Simone was telling the board that he's having trouble getting pipe, just, you know, polyethylene pipe that they use for drainage. You know, something that used to take 10 days to order is now taking months to get, you know, after their order. They're, what they're trying to do is stockpile on it because they need to do this work. Uh, also, like parts for their trucks, trucks themselves. Even the police department is having an issue. They ordered some new police patrol vehicles earlier this spring, April, but now it looks like they're not going to get them until next summer. So everything is kind of piling up and uh, it's an interesting problem that a lot of these people have never con confronted before because we've never had a situation like this. So he wanted to let the town board know what was going on. We'll be doing an article about that as well. So it'd be interesting. Tom, I don't know if you've heard about anything like that going on in your town, but it's something that's affected, according to Mr. Simone, it's impacted the entire country. Well, it's, it's definitely impacting, I know, our local businesses. So it makes sense that it's impacting you know others as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's what's percolating in Mayapak these days. Great. Well, I appreciate Bob's right back in the saddle here. Yep, yep. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing that. And uh, and uh, I look forward to, uh, you know, Tom will not be on next week's episode, but uh, I look forward to catching up with him in a couple weeks. So, uh, and, good. and God God willing, Bob, you're, you're going to be in next week's episode also. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm trying to behave, do what my doctors tell me, take all my pills, all 16 of them every day. 
you know, try to get used to this damn wheelchair. <laughs> well, well, maybe I, I and now I know what a Christmas present to give you. One of those pill organizer things. <laughs> yeah, my, my sister gave me one of those pill caddy, but I have so many pills it just overwhelms it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Well, everybody, thank you so much, and uh, we'll we'll talk to you next time. Right. Ciao. Good to be here. Bye.